0: To First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show.
1: Thank God
2: it's Friday.
0: Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. We will make America great again. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's
3: 866-HEY-LARS to speak your mind.
0: Now, First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson.
3: Welcome back to the Lars Lars, Larson Show and to my favorite day of the week, First Amendment Friday. And why? Because we open up the phone lines and every subject under the sun is fair game. And there's a lot to talk about. You've got the latest developments in the polling this week that show that Donald Trump is way out front of Nikki Haley and way out front of Joe Biden as well. You've got the airstrikes by the Biden administration at long last, finally getting around to it. Joe Biden actually said three days ago, I figured out our response to what happened in Jordan. Now, if you haven't heard about that, Three American service members lost their lives. Forty American service members were wounded in an attack by Iranian proxies on a base in Jordan that is used as a jumping off spot into Syria. So where did the strikes land just hours ago? Well, they landed in Syria, and the Biden administration says we're targeting Iranian proxies. You're not solving the problem, Joe. I mean, this is going to be a thorny one because he's walked himself into a dilemma. If you respond forcefully, maybe you end up in a war with Iran. I don't think Americans want that. I don't. I know I don't want it. So what do you do instead? Well, you strike back. You know, there was a very clear-cut way to strike back against Iran. Cut off the money. Instead of trying to knock out their foot soldiers like the proxies, uh, like the Houthi terrorists, like the uh, proxies in uh, Iraq and Syria who got the airstrikes today, how about going after the people that are actually making it happen? Well, Joe wants to stay friends with the folks in Iran for whatever strange reason that Joe Biden wants to get back to a nuclear deal with Iran, even though this is a country that clearly has Joe Biden's number already. They've already told themselves, we don't have to listen to anything this guy says. We keep making demands. He keeps selling out to us. He's given us in both Non-enforcement of sanctions against Iran. That alone is worth about $50 billion in oil sales. So he gives $50 billion to the mad mullahs of Tehran. He then unfreezes another $6 billion in frozen assets they have. And Iran must be laughing all the way to the bank. The mullahs must be saying... He keeps asking for nothing. We keep asking for something. He keeps giving us stuff. We've given him nothing at all. Well, why don't we just keep on doing what we're doing? So right after the money gets unlocked for Iran, what happens? You get more than 160 strikes against american service members in the middle east by iranian proxies you get the terrorist attack on israel in early october and more recently you get the houthi terrorists attacking shipping and attacking american naval ships and then you get this strike against tower 22 the base in jordan now i understand there's a separate discussion to be had about whether or not we should even be in the region but that puts us in another thorny spot and you know why Because if America responds to this by saying, fine, we'll pull everybody out of the Middle East that we possibly can from every single country there. do You know what you'll be telling the bad guys? You'll be telling them, hey, if you attack America enough, if you have enough of these strikes, they will run away. Now, is that the message you want to send to the people in Iran, to the people who are running Iran, not the Iranian people, but their leaders? Do you want to tell them? All you've got to do is hit Americans enough, have enough of these terrorist strikes, take enough lives, attack American military ships, attack their personnel on the ground. If you do it enough, you will drive them out of the region. And then maybe the mad mullahs of Tehran will get what they want. They'll get Sharia law. They'll get uh, all the things they've been seeking all this time. None of this really works well nor does hitting the Iranian proxies in Syria and Iraq, which is what happened a few hours ago. All that sends the message is you're going to rearm those people and that America isn't serious. If America was serious and you had the ability to cut off the financial support to Iran, and do you know why Joe Biden is not going to do that? Because that would mean returning to the Donald Trump policies that were in place on the day Joe Biden took office. He'd have to admit... Trump was right. Trump had taken Iraq, Iran down to where they were on fumes. I mean, they were a country whose bank accounts literally were so low they could barely function. I mean, think of yourself if you're an average wage earner. At the end of the month when you're just waiting for that new paycheck to roll in and your bank account is almost empty. I mean, I've been there before in my life. I'm sure that some of you have as well. When you're thinking, I got 10 bucks left in the checking account. Let's hope that no extra charges hit right now because we're on fumes. That's where Iran was the day Joe Biden took office. Where are they now? They're sitting on tens of billions of dollars that happened only because Joe Biden became president. And when they got all that extra money and then they said, hey, let's start hitting Israel. Let's start hitting uh, America. Let's hit America's troops and its ships and it's shipping and what happens? Joe Biden says, I'm not going to do anything. hundred and sixty five or sixty six attacks on American military personnel in the Middle East and almost nothing happens. And finally, he does the same kind of thing that Bill Clinton did way back in the day. Remember when Clinton was facing testimony by Monica Lewinsky and all kinds of other trouble and he needed to distract Americans. So he launched some cruise missiles at a couple of tents in the Middle East. And even at the time, people looked at that and they said, this is such a transparently deceptive move. You're not actually accomplishing anything. You're hitting some empty tents or maybe an empty aspirin factory. I mean, that was decades ago. And Joe Biden is running the same playbook. I know, I've got to look like I'm doing something. We'll carry out some airstrikes in Iraq and Syria. It won't really change the equation at all, but at least it'll look like I'm doing something. That's how ridiculous this is. In any case, it's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at com. And our ex-poll, used to be called the Twitter poll, The Capitol Police have decided to drop any and all charges against staff members in our U.S. Capitol who are having gay sex in committee hearing rooms and videotaping it and putting it online. And you have to say, well, that's disgusting behavior. And I'd say the same thing if it was heterosexuals as well. But what have the Capitol Police decided to do? They're as political an organization as anything in Washington, D.C. They've announced no charges whatsoever. And that includes all the allegations made by former Representative Santos, uh, who was a gay man himself. And he said, hey, they're having gay sex down in what are called the cages, which is storage areas under the Capitol buildings where members of Congress and the government can store extra furniture and old boxes of records and everything else. Well, they're all, you know, sort of walled off with cyclone fencing and they're referred to as the cages. And apparently it's a place where if you want some sex, at least gay sex, you can do that. Even though there are video cameras down there, no charges for any of that stuff at all. The Capitol Police are as political as the day is long. Let me grab one call before the break. Tom, welcome to the program on First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind? Hey,
4: Lars, I totally appreciate your uh, show Thank uh, you. Uh, not
3: only local, but not. i, I got to tell you something, Tom. I will get back. We'll hold you over, and I'll get to your call a little bit later on. It's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. You're listening to The Lawrence Larson Show.
2: Hi.
4: I know y'all think it
5: takes balls to be singing what I'm singing, but I'm just saying
3: what you're thinking.
5: This is the Lars Larson Show.
3: Welcome back to the program on First Amendment Friday. Lots of ways to contact us. 866 Hey Lars. Uh, that's the number. If you want to be a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Emails go to talk at com. Vote in our poll on X. You can find that at Lars Larson show. And, of course, we're on Facebook, although I don't put much faith in Facebook anymore. Uh, we're also on Instagram, and you can check that out as well. Let me go back to Tom. Tom, we were up against the break, but uh, what's on your mind today? Hey,
4: Lars I. So appreciate appreciate uh, everything that you stand for. And realistically, my question is we have all kinds of laws, rules, regulations that are in place that have been agreed to by not only Democrats or Republicans or independents. But why do we not enforce those?
3: I can I can tell you why, Tom, if the personnel you hire and they'll in a lot of cases, political consultants will say personnel equals policy. And what they mean by that is, Tom, I'll take it down from the scale of Congress or anything like that. Imagine you run a little store, a little convenience store, and you hire somebody to be manager either all day or part of the day. And, and, and then you wonder all your customers are complaining. Your store is filthy. Your store isn't run well. Nothing's priced right. And you say, but I have policies for all of the, I have rules that, that are supposed to be there. And your customers would educate you and say, well, you may have all those rules, but the guy you hired to manage the store ain't following those rules. So you can say, we have all these laws on the books. We have a border. We have border patrol. We have we have laws about about everything under the sun. But if you hire somebody and by this, I mean you hire a president, you hire members of Congress, you hire you send people to your state legislature, you hire governors and attorneys general and district attorneys. If they won't enforce the rules, it doesn't matter what rules you have on the books. Because you have to hire the personnel who will actually enforce the rules. So if you go back to my example for you, you, your little convenience store that you own, where you have policies about keeping the floors clean, pricing everything right, treating customers well, and then you hired somebody to run the store, to be the manager of the store, that doesn't give a damn what your policies are. He's not going to follow them. But why don't
4: we enforce those policies?
3: Because the people you hired to enforce them aren't going to do it. Tom, that's the simple answer. So I tried with a metaphor. It didn't seem to work. Let's go to Ann. Hey, Ann, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind?
1: Oh, Lars, I got something bad to report.
3: Oh, boy, what Um, is it?
1: I have a a friend. uh, I knew her years and years ago when I lived in California.
3: Mm -hmm. Poor
1: state, anyway.
3: Yeah, it's, anyhow, a, it's a messed up state these days because of bad, bad, here. bad personnel, mostly.
1: Yes, sir. And I am reporting something on that governor that's down there that isn't worth two hoots.
3: Gavin Newsom. Yeah, he's he, a knucklehead. He, yeah. But you've got to get to the him, point, Ann, are, or I'm going to have to move on okay. to other calls. It's First Amendment Friday.
1: Okay. There are people that are hired to drive the vans to move the illegals coming in and their belongings to a different place. And they also are using these vans and buses to move our soldiers and that from one spot, our guardsmen, from one spot to another. They are not apparently being fumigated uh, while they're... You know, from these illegals that are coming in from South America, and they're carrying a bug that has a disease called Chagas disease. Yep. The uh, common name for it is a kissing bug.
3: Kissing it's bug. It's not real yep.
1: familiar. It's not they real They also call it the barber and bug and, and
3: other names, but it carries a disease and it can mess you up very badly. It's apparently a dormant yes, disease for a long time, and then it can it can screw your heart up and everything else.
1: Well, these guys that are driving the vans and that, they've come down with quite a few bites, and one of them lost his job driving the van because he scratched the itches so bad it got infected. So... um,
3: Well, we've got to solve that. And you're right. If they're not cleaning those vans out, and then if they're using them for other personnel, and that's a real disaster waiting to happen. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Jay. Hey, Jay, welcome to the Lars, Lars and Joe. What's on your mind?
6: Hey, Lars, how you doing? I I like what you said. uh, Well, it's good to hear. I I really liked what you said about uh, Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Just now and how he doesn't know how to uh, call
4: bingo numbers. And what I mean is the, the way to clear out those uh, terrorist uh, bingo games is B-5-2. B-5-2. <laughs> B- <five two>.
3: uh, <laughs> or stealth, or stealth bombers or anything. Just, well, but here's the problem, Jay. I think Joe knows that people will be distracted by these airstrikes. But if you have a problem. You know, you have a problem that say there's a criminal gang or, a, you know, an, a criminal organization and you go out and you hit their foot soldiers who they probably pay pretty well, whether they're selling drugs or committing violent crimes, they're paying them very well. So you don't cut off the people who are able to pay for those crimes to be committed. You just go out and kill foot soldiers left and right. Wouldn't it make more sense to cut off the money that makes all those foot soldiers happen?
4: Well, he had a chance to do that, but they decided to uh, unfreeze their funds.
3: Well, it wasn't. But, Jay, one of the things don't get distracted by that either. The six billion they unfroze was certainly significant. But, you know, it was almost 10 times that size when Joe Biden came in. Trump had sanctions on Iran and he said, you're not going to be able to sell oil to our allies. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do that. He had run them down to almost functionally bankrupt as a country. And what happened? Joe Biden came in. He didn't actually reverse the sanctions. He just said, we're not going to enforce them. Like a city or a county or a state saying, oh, yeah, we've got a 55 mile an hour speed limit, but we don't enforce it. Well, then you have to change that. You have to go back to Iran and say, you're funding all these terrorist activities. We're not going to go after the terrorists with bombs and bullets. There aren't enough bombs and bullets in the world to get to all the bad guys. We're going to cut off your money supply. And at that point, you send a message that might actually do something. Would you agree? Uh, bingo. Lars, you are speaking the truth, my friend. I mean, look, I like bombs and bullets as much, as much as the next guy. And blowing up terrorists, I think that's a great way for them to end their lives. We'll send them off to the 72 virgins. But you've got to cut off the money supply. Let's go to Simon. Hey, Simon, welcome to the Lars Larson Show.
4: Hey, Lars, longtime listener. Always enjoy your thought provoking uh, commentary. Well, thank uh, you. Today I was calling about uh, about Kennedy. I hear everybody talk about Biden and uh, Trump. And then I see stuff for Kennedy where he's saying secure our borders. He's saying Fauci's whole uh, experiment with vaccinations is, is not right. And he's backed up by congressional testimony on the topic. And I just I haven't heard your thoughts on Kennedy and I haven't generally heard of him being talked about enough because I feel like when we're we're looking at all the chaos in our political system, we got one guy that's going, yeah, this is all horrible. Well, excuse me, second guy, because Trump did the same thing when he ran before and talked about paying for people to uh, to take
3: his position Kennedy, can i tell you i side. have talked about rfk i think he's kind of irrelevant at this point because he doesn't pull enough political support to beat trump he doesn't pull enough political support to beat biden and the problem is a lot of conservatives like you will see a couple of his positions and you'll say hey that's great stuff um you know right. we'll, we'll go for him uh, a guy who endorsed hillary clinton a guy who admires socialist Bernie Sanders. A guy who's praised Louis Farrakhan and calls him a true partner. He calls the NRA a terrorist group. He's called for a ban on fossil fuel extraction, meaning the stuff you put in your gas, in your de- gas or diesel truck. He says that uh, AOC is a smart person who's bringing us great policies. He believes climate change is a good deal. The problem is, if you like two or three of his positions, but you would absolutely hate about 20 of his positions, do you really want to support that guy? And I've pretty well ruled him out. He's not pulling any support anywhere, and there's a reason. The Lars Larson Show.
4: all men and the people who love
5: He may talk about serious issues, but even Lars has a sense of humor. I have a joke for you. The government in this town is excellent and uses your tax dollars efficiently. (laughs) This is the Lars Larson Show.
3: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. Before I get back to your calls, I got to tell you about this story. It's out of Texas, which is a bit surprising. It has to do with books and these so-called book bans. No No books are being banned, by the way. Uh, But there are places where you have to say that book is not appropriate for children of that age. Now, I've got an uh, almost eight-year-old granddaughter. And believe me, uh, uh, Nana and I, Tina and I, uh, look at books all the time. And we say, is this age appropriate for Payson? And if it's not, we don't put it in front of her. We don't say this is a book you ought to take a look at. Schools should be the same. And I can tell you this, in this school district, I think it's the Eleno High School District, they've told parents why you've told us that there are 200 books out of probably thousands in the library that they would like removed from the library shelves because they're not age appropriate. Now, that's not a book ban, again. It's simply saying these aren't appropriate for this age of kids. Well, guess what? The school district, even one in Texas, doesn't want to get with the program. So you know what they've told the parents they've said if you want us to review these 200 books it is going to take 22 years to review those books now most of us could figure out ways to do this in a weekend we could simply say let's divvy up the 200 books let's have a committee of 10 let's start skimming through them or even go online and say is this book appropriate oh no Take a look at pages 12, 72, and 146. You go to those pages and you say, okay, what I'm reading in the book, this is not age-appropriate. And frankly, I think there are books, especially when it comes to sexual matters, where you can tell by reading two or three paragraphs. And if you say, well, but the rest of the book's really good. Yes, but there are parts of the book that are so age-inappropriate, you shouldn't do it. So when the school district says, we don't want to go along with the parents, We don't want to take those books off the shelves because they're age inappropriate. So we're going to tell the parents, I kid you not, the principal, a guy by the name of Scott Patrick, has told parents it will take 30 days per book to review the books. Thus, 200 books will take 22 years to review. Now, that's absolute insanity to your calls now. In fact, let's go to Alabama and talk to Ron. Hey, Ron, welcome to the Lars Larson Show on First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind?
4: Hey Lars, I'm a big Lars Larson fan slash thank Donald you. Trump fan. I, well, I got two part question. I'm gonna ask you, and I'm gonna get off in. I want your thoughts on this. I value your thoughts, sir. And of, thank
3: you for the high compliment.
4: Yes, sir. What about the uh, girlfriend and her over? How about the girl and her overpaid boyfriend from Atlanta, Georgia? <laughs> you you mean
3: Miss Fanny also Willis of, also of Texas, Georgia?
4: Also Texas. Also <laughs> slash second part is Texas seceding from the Union. And I'll take your thoughts on both of those, sir. Thank
3: you. All right, I'll do that. Number one, Texas' secession, not a good idea. When the rest of the United States is this screwed up, the last thing we want to lose is a great state, and Texas is a great state. It's got its problems, too. But I don't see the point of seceding from the union. I don't see how that fixes anything. I'm against it. Now, Nikki Haley says that the people of Texas decide to secede. That is their legal right. I think uh, Nikki Haley has been smoking something that doesn't make sense to me at all. It does not encourage me to have greater faith in what she has to say about Fannie Willis. Boy, I told you that all these criminal cases against Donald Trump were falling apart. They're falling apart in New York, they're falling apart in D.C. You had Jack Smith's case that just got put off the court calendar indefinitely. Uh, And I think the one in in, uh, Georgia, involving D.A. Fannie Willis in Fulton County, turns out that when she was, she told people she was gonna get Donald Trump. So she had to hire, for whatever reason, I don't know, instead of using her own district attorneys on her own staff, she went out and hired a guy from outside. Paid him two-thirds of a million dollars to her boyfriend. Her boyfriend that she was sleeping with, which apparently his wife didn't know anything about until fairly recently. And now all of this has come to life, and she's going to get called to testify. Probably in front of the Congress, probably in front of a judge. She's in big trouble. Let's go to Ann. Oh, no, sorry about that. Let's go to Debbie. Hey, Debbie, thanks for the call from Idaho. Welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind?
1: Thank you. Um, I have concerns about people being so positive Trump is going to be elected again because the deep state is so snarky. They're so horrible. I would not be the least bit surprised if they murdered slash assassinated him. What makes everybody feel so comfortable that there isn't going to be more cheating at the election, the day of election? I mean, I am I will vote. For Trump. And I put signs up out of my house and I defend him every way, shape and form for you. But I just I don't want to get my hopes up because I don't believe it. And Pence, Pence left, left Trump. Did he is he really using him for for uh, vice president again?
3: No, no. Donald Trump will pick Donald. We already know Donald Trump's going to pick somebody else as vice president. He says he's made the choice already. He just hasn't told the rest of us yet, nor does he have to. He can wait all the way to the convention. And I think that's a very smart thing to do. We'll find out this summer. That's number one. Number two, Debbie, do you know, I'm going to ask you to look at a very strange place to find some faith that Trump's going to be elected. What does the political left, the Democrat Party and the left end of America believe they believe they believe that if they don't find a way to throw Trump in jail or convict him of crimes or something else, they can't stop him. So the left in America is convinced that Donald Trump will be elected, especially if he runs against Joe Biden. Now, people have talked about a last minute swap out either at the convention or just afterward as we head into the fall. I think that would be a colossal disaster. But, you know, what do they say when your enemy's making a mistake? Don't interrupt him. Well, don't interrupt the Democrats. They're, they're, well, that's it. When, you, when your opponent is making a mistake, never interrupt him. Let him go ahead or her uh, go ahead and make Makes the mistake. Sense. So, Makes sense. And, and as far as the cheating, yes, there will be cheating. I mean, we're virtually guaranteed there'll be cheating, which is one yeah. reason why for decades I've been hearing from people in politics, if it ain't close, they can't cheat. And if you notice, the last time around in 2020, when there was cheating, And we now know that 35,000 illegal votes cast in Georgia. And the difference between Trump and Biden was less than 12,000. So that's a provable case right there. And we've talked about it on the show. People who voted, even though they didn't live where they live, they weren't legally registered to vote. And that means their vote should not have counted. And in any court case, here's one of the things that's a little strange about election law, Debbie. Let's say you had an election in Idaho. All right. So you're, you're listening on KDO and Boise. So say you run yep. two, two folks, man or woman running for Boise City Council. And let's say a thousand votes are counted and one candidate gets 550. The other one gets 450. So you say, well, the guy with 550 won and the guy with 450 lost. What they've said is if you could go in and show that there were more than say a hundred votes that were cast illegally and you say, but, but uh, by law, Nobody can know who those votes were cast for. They could have all been cast for the winner. They could have all been cast for the loser. But if the difference between the winner and the loser is a hundred and you can show them a hundred and ten illegal votes, then they throw that election out. Why because since you can never know the you know what what a person w- which person voted for which candidate, and I think it's smart that we have ballot privacy uh you know that I can go oh, and vote i yeah. I don't have to tell anybody who I voted for, nor do you. But if if you can show a greater number of fraudulent votes, votes that were illegal, votes that came in too late, votes that were counted without signatures or dates or all the other things that are required, then, then you have a fraudulent election. So what happened after 2020? A bunch of the battleground states decided to change their laws to do what conservatives have asked for forever make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. And those states acted on that. This will be not a perfect election, but more secure than the last one. Debbie, thanks for the call, and thanks for listening on Kevin Miller's Home of KID.
5: what a vegan actually is?
7: They say cows are bad for the environment because all they do is eat plants and fart.
6: Just like
5: vegans. This is the Lars Larson Show.
3: Welcome back to the program. It's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your calls. And with the southern border seeing its worst month on record, almost every single month seems to bring a brand new record bad for the Joe Biden administration. But that's by choice. Joe Biden chose to take things this direction. You've now got both the White House and the mainstream media saying, well, if only those Republicans on Capitol Hill would just simply sign off on the deal that's been put together in the U.S. Senate, not HR two from the House, but this crazy Senate deal, and give Joe a big pile of money uh, that that he would be able to get that border taken care of. I thought we'd uh, weigh that against Laura Reese, who's a senior research fellow for Homeland Security at Heritage and former acting deputy chief of staff for the Department of Homeland Security. And Laura, I have to say, God's smiling on you because you're not working for Alejandro Mayorkas these days. Welcome back.
8: Thank you for having me on, and thank goodness I'm not working for him. I I, I couldn't have stayed.
3: No kidding. And, in fact, I, I kind of hope that the Republicans grow a backbone and actually impeach him, although it sounds like they're a bunch of sellouts like Ken Buck of Colorado who don't want to do it. But let's talk about this deal, because the Democrats and Joe Biden would have you believe why this president just can't get it done with the same resources that his predecessor, got it done with very nicely, uh, but Joe can't get it done unless Congress gives him a pile of money and a bunch of accommodations. Is there any good deal out there other than H.R. 2 to solve our border problems?
8: Well, certainly not what we're hearing is coming out of the Senate deal that's been uh, negotiated behind closed doors for about a month now. Uh, and, and the reason Biden is doing that is is two reasons. One, he wants the money to continue paying the sanctuary cities off And the non governmental organizations that have built this very secretive and extensive infrastructure uh, to carry out this mass illegal immigration from Panama all the way to the US and throughout. Uh, And two, he wants the, he's blaming Congress because he wants to shed himself of blame for the border crisis he created in this election year. Uh, But he created this mess with a pen. He can fix it with a pen. Um, So once again, Biden is not to be believed.
3: Now, I want to see if I've been talking out of my hat, Laura, because I told my audience, I said, Joe would have you believe that uh, even though Donald Trump wasn't given any great help from Congress, even a Congress, he had a majority of Republicans in for a time. He managed to get the lowest level of illegal crossings of our border uh, in history and done. And he did better then Clinton did better than Obama did better uh, than George W. Uh, that even though he got it done with what he had available to him, Joe Biden can't seem to get it done with the same resources available to him. Is that a fair comparison?
8: Yes, because Congress hasn't passed major immigration le- legislation since 1996. Uh, so, yes, Trump relied on executive authority um, his the key change was the Remain in Mexico program, which Congress ex- actually passed in 1996, but no president had used it until Trump. Uh, and that was a game changer because it stopped the caravans from coming that were coming up here in 2018 and early 2019, when illegal aliens learned that no longer could they say a few words of fear at the border as their ticket to get into the U.S. and then disappear. Once they learned, oh, I, I have to wait in Mexico months while my immigration proceeding um, takes place. No, thank you. I'm not going to go.
3: And it's not just the months, is it, Laura? Because isn't it true that the vast majority, maybe even 95 percent of those people who make an asylum or a refugee claim don't have the don't have the requirements to to earn that claim? And and I I tell people, they say, well, then change the rules. I said, no, hold on. If I went down and applied for food stamps tomorrow, they'd say, Lars, you make too much money to get food stamps. You don't qualify. This is no different. If somebody comes in and says, hey, uh, uh, the economy of my home country, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, whatever, stinks, and I can't get a good job. No, that's not an asylum claim. There are specific criteria and most of the people who claim they throw out asylum or refugee uh, status and they just throw it out there, but they don't actually qualify for it, do they?
8: Yeah, ultimately, immigration judges grant approximately 12 percent of asylum claims. uh, But that isn't why most apply for asylum Uh, They know that it buys them years here in the U.S. because the immigration court is so backlogged. It has over 3 million cases pending now. And after six months from uh, hitting send on the application, they can get a work permit. And that's what they're really on about is uh, getting work authorization. And so, unfortunately, it is built for abuse and fraud, and that's what people do. My experience in court has been... People will say and and do just about anything to get into the U.S. and stay here. So, you know, filing a fraudulent application for asylum, no no big deal to these folks.
3: Well, that's my view of it as well. And is Kamala Harris nonsense about we have to fix the underlying conditions. I went out and I looked up what's the average worker make in Guatemala, not an office worker, but just the average person. And it's sixteen hundred dollars a year, not a month, not a week. 1600 bucks a year. And if that worker comes up and makes minimum wage in most of the big cities in America, they're going to make 20 times that money or about 30,000 a year. So if you want to fix the underlying conditions, find a way to get a bunch of uh, $15 an hour jobs into Guatemala. Uh, last issue, and that's Mr. Langford. Senator Langford from Oklahoma is working on the deal. He's the lead guy and the negotiator, but he doesn't want to tell anybody what's inside that deal. Should I be appropriately suspicious when a Republican from Oklahoma says, I've got a deal, but I can't tell you what's inside of it?
2: Absolutely.
8: And other senators like uh, Mike Lee and Ted Cruz uh, are calling for adequate time to review this bill so they don't get jammed. Um, It it complete different treatment in the House. Uh, HR2, the Secure the Border Act, that went through three committees. And then those three bills were packaged together into one and voted on the floor. Um, this is the old Senate way, unfortunately, of behind closed doors. And no one can see it, including Trump's uh, border team. And but things have leaked out. And what is leaked out is not good. Is I that the that five
3: thousand five? We're going to cut it from ten thousand a day to five thousand a day. But it's basically going to institutionalize a massive border crossing.
8: Yeah, that, that's one item. And basically, it, it, hand, it codifies the very tools Biden has been using to achieve his open border agenda. Um, so, you know, in addition to that, it would continue the uh, mass parole through ports of entry. It would give faster work permits, which is exactly why people come here. So it would just continue future illegal immigration. It would require taxpayers to pay for deportable aliens uh, defense attorneys. U.S. citizens don't get taxpayer-funded civil defense attorneys.
3: No, they don't. That's Laura Reese. Laura, thank you very much. Senior Research Fellow at the Heritage Foundation for Homeland Security, former Acting Deputy Chief at Homeland Security. Laura, it's always a pleasure. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday on The Lars Larson Show.
5: The Lars Larson Show. Sure. It's Friday, Friday. Friday
3: on my mind. this is Friday. Oh. Friday, Friday. Yeah, yes, it's Friday. Friday. Friday.
0: Woo! Welcome to First Amendment Friday on The Lars Larson Show.
1: Thank God it's Friday!
0: Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. We will make America great again. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS to speak your mind. Now, First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson.
3: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a First Amendment Friday, and I'll get to your phone calls in just a moment, but welcome to the best conversation in talk journalism. It happens right here every single day, and then on First Amendment Fridays, we open up the lines at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And in recognizing Black History Month, I know there are some of you who are naysayers who will say, Lars won't even talk about the fact that it's Black History Month. Well, fact is, I don't think we need a special month for black history. I think that you could teach American history every month of the year. And that includes black Americans, Hispanic Americans, Native Americans, etc. every single ethnic group. We ought to be proud of the fact that we are one of the most, uh, I get to use a $5 word, polyglot countries in the world. I mean, there are an awful lot of countries that do not have what the liberals like to call a very diverse population. And if you don't believe me, take a look at the stats from around the world. Tell me that China is diverse. Tell me that Japan is diverse. It's not. They're not. So, consider that this country has achieved something that most countries could never even get close to. On the other hand, should we have special accommodations for one group or another? In fact. There was just a moment ago a Supreme Court decision about West Point because West Point, under the guidance of Commander-in-Chief Joe Biden, has decided it wants to keep making choices of who gets into West Point based in part on race. Well, if you understand this, if you're if you've been a small employer like I am, I have three great producers. I got Joel. I got Donovan. I've got McKenzie. They're great producers. Did I choose them because of their race? No. Gender? No. Religion? No. I chose them because they're smart. That's how choices should be made. And West Point was asking the U.S. Supreme Court, can we still factor in race? Now, that should have been an automatic no but I'm convinced that a certain number of Supreme Court justices have simply not read the Constitution. How could you ever justify saying, why, we'd like to make choices about who gets in to one of the uh, country's great military schools, West Point, and we'd like to make the choice based on smarts, we'd like to make the choice on skills and abilities, and at least in part on race. That should be an automatic no. So in honoring Black History Month, let me remind you a few few things, because I think the Republican Party ought to sing its own praises more often, because if you take a look at the history of this country, the Republican Party has always done far more for black Americans than the Democrats could even imagine. And point number one is that the Democrats started under Andrew Jackson. And I've always suggested to people, Every year in American politics, you'll hear about both parties holding Lincoln Day dinners. And you say, well, Lincoln was a Republican. Why would the Democrats want to honor uh, Abraham Lincoln and not their founder, Andrew Jackson? Because Andrew Jackson was a full on 100 percent bigot slave owner. He was a bad guy. But consider what the Republicans have done in the last 150 years the emancipation proclamation came from a republican president the end of the civil war and then less than a decade later the right to vote for women now where did that come from the democrats would have you believe well the democrats were in favor of that no they weren't they fought against it the right to vote women's suffrage came from an amendment written by a republican Her name was Susan B. Anthony. We remember her name, but a lot of people don't remember she was a Republican. It was introduced in Congress by a Republican senator by the name of Aaron Sargent. I made my own list some time ago. It took 50 years to get that ratified. But Republicans have always been ahead of their times. A Republican president started the Panama Canal. Republicans elected the first woman to the House of Representatives. Republicans began Hoover Dam. And in 1936, and you have to look for this because the woke media won't want to tell you about it, it was Republican-American Jesse Owens who humiliated Hitler with four gold medals. And it was the president from the other party, FDR, who snubbed Owens by refusing to invite him to the White House or even send him a telegram. Republican Jackie Robinson opened up baseball, the Civil Rights Act, the Reagan tax cuts, the defeat of the Soviet Union, the end of the Cold War, all the actions of American Republicans. Get the Republican Party to start reminding Americans of that proud history just a little bit more than they have up till now. On First Amendment Friday, I'm glad to take your calls at 866-439-5277. And if you're a naysayer, we will put you right at the head of the line. Just stick around for a few questions. Let's go first to George. Hey George, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind?
4: Hi, Hi there Lars. When Joe Biden says he's in favor of abortion, what he's really saying he's in favor of killing 1.3 million Americans because that's the number of Americans that die from abortion. Every year, far more than any terrorist could hope to kill, Joe Biden is declaring a war on American lives.
3: Yes, he is. And what's sad about this is the the Democrats would like to make this year's election about abortion, except abortion after the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court, now almost two years ago, made it not a federal issue. It's an issue for the states. And that drives the Democrats nuts because they want it to be an issue that is decided at the federal level and only a few knuckleheads like lindsey graham say oh let's make this a federal issue again no let's let the states decide this again there are even some pro-lifers i'm a pro-lifer but i'm not one of the ones who says let's put this back in the hands of the federal government i don't want it to be there I, i want the states to make decisions and you see the practical effect of that some states like california and new york and Washington State and Oregon, uh, they make it abortion up to the last minute for any reason under the sun. And most of the time, abortions come about because of convenience. Convenience. Because you'll always hear about rape, incest, and save the life of the mother. That is 2 to 3% of all abortions. The other 97 or 98% are for convenience. People say, a woman says... Uh, I have a new boyfriend, but my baby comes from the last boyfriend. Uh, That's inconvenient. I have college starting this fall. It would be inconvenient to be pregnant. I have a new job that's starting. It would be inconvenient. I already have three kids. One more would be inconvenient. Can you imagine telling anybody Yeah, I've decided that because of inconvenience, I've decided to take the life of an unborn child instead of bearing the child that you decided outside of rape, incest, and to save the life of the mother, you decided to bear that child. Give that baby life, and if you can't properly care for the baby, put it up for adoption, because babies up for adoption they are in short supply there are many many families out there that would thank god all day long and twice on sunday if they could only get a baby to bring home so adoption would be a great option and the pregnancy resource centers tell americans about that and yet joe biden didn't do much of anything he'll be glad to go after conservatives and MAGA republicans all day long did he say much of anything When all those pregnancy resource centers came under terrorist attack in the last two years? Of course not. Back in a moment, we'll talk to our movie guy, Christian Toto, on this First Amendment project. This
9: is a...
5: At least someone has a plan for illegal aliens. Back in the White House, I will terminate every open
0: borders
3: policy of the Biden administration and begin the largest deportation operation in American history. This
5: is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome
3: back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a First Amendment Friday when we always like to visit with our friend Christian Toto, the host of the Hollywood and Toto podcast. Christian, welcome back. Good to be back. Uh, we got to talk about Carl Weathers for just a moment because the news came down earlier today that he had passed away and he wasn't very old. He was about 76 years old.
6: Yeah, you know, and he, he he's
3: seen, I mean, it's its sort of odd
6: to say, but he, he seems so hearty. He was always larger than life. He's obviously in great physical shape and always just seemed full of energy. And uh, from his recent appearances, of course, with the Rocky films, and, you know, it's funny, one of the people I follow on Twitter, and he, he, he seemed like an upbeat guy, just positive, just positive, and he wasn't kind of wallowing in the, the political waters in a negative way, and he wasn't mean-spirited. And uh, sadly, you know, it, sometimes it takes a, a death to have all the people you know come out and speak so highly of, of you. And that's that's what I'm seeing across the political, uh, sort of the pop culture landscape when it comes to Carl Weathers.
3: You know, it's interesting, too, because, I, look, I don't follow professional sports that closely. I mean, it's one. I mean, maybe it's a character flaw. I don't know. But I didn't realize he he transitioned from the NFL to Hollywood, which is does not sound like. I mean, if if that were a regular transition, you'd see a whole lot more people from the NFL having an after NFL career in Hollywood. But he he did it very very well because I mean, for my you know watching him in Predator, or watching him in Rocky, or any of these, it seemed like he was he was perfect for Hollywood. But apparently, he was a very good ball player as well.
6: Yeah, you know, that sort of athlete to movie star transition, it's rare. You know, we look at people like Dwayne Johnson and John Cena who are wrestlers who have become very successful in Hollywood and they've got the chops. Obviously, they can act, they have that comedic instinct. So it's but it's not typical. It's atypical. But I think that Carl Weathers made a lot of the work he did look easy. Uh and I think his his contributions just to the Rocky saga alone really matter and and making him the villain in a sense. And yet, he, he, you know, he wasn't a typical villain. And he had charisma and he had charm and he had this uh, presence about him. And that's what you needed in those Rocky films. And that's, I mean, he's impressive. I mean, a lot, and he's done comedic work. And, and it just that one struck me when I saw it on, across Twitter, uh, or should I say X, <laughs> earlier today. X. I was like, oh, man, come on.
3: Come hey, Chris, I'm, I'm still having to get, we, we've had a poll for years, and at one point it was called the Quick Poll, I think by my predecessor, and uh, and then we said, well, let's make it the, uh, you know, we'll make it the Twitter poll, which it was for a long time, and now I have to get the muscle memory to call it the X poll, <laughs> and also explain so that people don't, I mean, X is kind of an inconvenient name, but I, I wanted to ask you about this new movie, Argyle, uh, you said it's, it, it it's kind of, what, hit and miss?
6: Yeah, all in one movie. It's fun, and then it's exasperating, and then it's clever, then it's silly, then it's over the top. But Ultimately, it's way too long. It's a story about a uh, a woman who's a spy novelist, and she's played by Bryce Dallas Howard. And all of a sudden, the bad guys in real life are coming after her. I guess some of the stories she's written are too close to reality. There's some <laughs> sort of secret that she's sharing there, and she's got to figure out what's going on. You know, she's a, uh, a kind of withdrawn, shy Certainly not someone who's an action heroine, but all of a sudden she's got to save herself. And, of course, she has some help in the film. Uh, Sam Rockwell plays a, another agent, another spy, but he's there to help her. At least we think he's there to help her. It's one of those movies where things change in every 10, 15 minutes. There are revelations that are shocking and surprising. It's exhausting. You know, for every time I enjoyed it, every time I thought, oh, that that sequence worked, I like that character. It just felt like it was on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. So a mixed review from me here. If you like spy movies, if you like tongue-in-cheek action, if you like some of the stars here, um, you know, it's it's got a really loaded cast, including Henry Cavill, uh, you know, maybe give it a chance. But I just wish a movie like this would maybe cut out 20, 30 minutes. It goes about two hours and 20 minutes. It's It's just too much. This should be light. It should be breezy. It should be in and out and I think the fact that they really drag it out hurts the film.
3: You know it's funny because Christian I've told you before I used to make documentaries for television and most of them are very serious subjects and all that and so uh, not too many I mean Mount St. Helens is probably my best one but but I remember going to bosses before saying oh boss you know I've got this great you know subject matter and great material and all this and I need 90 minutes and he'd say cut it down and leave the best 60 on the air. <laughs> and and it was great advice. It's also tough because you sit there with all this great material, you know, things you want to tell people about and show them, and you say, I can't possibly cut thirty minutes out of this. Yes, you can. You just have to be disciplined. And it sounds like Matthew Vaughn does not have that discipline.
6: Yeah, a lot of storytellers don't. I should think that's a problem with Quentin Tarantino, but he's just so talented. Even when his films are bloated, even when they go on too long, there's such skill and dedication and and interesting ideas and thoughts there that you forgive him. But yeah, I, I get what's the phrase, kill your darlings. I, I guess that maybe it's more of a writer's uh, term than anything else, but yeah, it's uh, shorter is almost always better. Listen, you can watch a movie. and think, gosh, if they had expanded that character or add a little bit more depth, it would be better, but you know, you're making a, uh, an action comedy. This is not, you know, solving, uh, human puzzles or tragedies. You really need to think of it as light and airy and just uh, make it brisk. And they don't often do that these days.
3: Hey, let's talk about Groundhog Day because it's Groundhog Day. I just happened to happen across a story I'd never heard before uh, about Groundhog Day. Apparently, uh, the person who created that movie and it's a it's a classic movie. I think it'll be a comedic classic forever. Uh, But but he apparently had an alternate ending. that was a little on the dark side.
6: Yeah, and I guess Harold Ramis, who was the director, you know, steered it back to center. And uh, it's fascinating when you think about movies like this, because there's so many so many uh, um, decisions behind the scenes that could change minor moments, that could change everything. And to read about uh, an earlier draft of this film and how it was a very different resolution, it's just it's just fascinating. Because, you know, if they had stuck with that, if they had gone that darker road, if they had kind of had the twist that we don't see, Maybe we wouldn't be talking about it right now.
3: Yeah, maybe not, because, I mean, just spoiler alert ahead, but you help me out with this if I get it wrong, but Andy McDowell, who plays, you know, the sweet young producer, you know, and and Phil is just hilarious. I mean, Bill Murray was fantastic. But they have him ending the movie by, you know, he falls in love with her, finally confesses his love to her, and the next night, the next morning, they wake up, and all of a sudden it's February 3rd. Uh, the spell's been broken, and he's out of the trap that he found himself in for so long, except in one of the twists, he wakes up, Rita wakes up, he's confessed his love for her, and she beats feet out the door and says, I don't want anything <laughs> to do with you. I mean, that I, I don't think Americans would have liked that. Maybe Europeans.
6: No, no you know, when it doesn't really work, I, I don't think that works at all, honestly. And it's not just that we want happy endings, but... If you're working toward a goal, and it, it, was, it was Bill Murray's character and his redemptive argument, he was a jerk, he was this, and then this whole crazy time loop made him a better human being, made him more lovable, made him worthy of love. And I think to do all of that, and then you say, "Oh, sorry, the, the girl of your dreams is cast you aside. I mean, maybe in some situation that could work, but I, I don't think it's a good fit here. So good, glad that it didn't really happen.
3: No, absolutely. Anything else new that's come up that's uh, that in movies that's that's worth recommending?
6: You know, this is really an odd time for theaters. I think it's a, it's a double whammy. The strike really cut down the number of films coming out. And also, this time of year, they release not that many good films. So if something comes out in January and early February, you have to kind of cross your arms and say, okay, what is this? Is this really worth your while? Wow. But there will be some films coming soon. There's going a superhero-ish movie coming called Madam Web. That's in two weeks. So I think slowly but surely we'll get at it as this cold snap. But right now, there isn't a heck of a lot I can recommend. You know, there's just, it's just a quiet time for movies. And maybe go see The Beekeeper if you've missed out when it's silly, it's dumb, it's Jason Statham. But it has a Hunter Biden-like character, which is fun to watch because uh, he is the bad guy in the film. And that's uh, a little cathartic.
3: By the way, my granddaughter is with us this weekend, and we love that. It's about every other week. Uh, and she likes to watch movies, and she usually wants to watch movies over and over again. And we said, why don't you try Princess Caribou? I hadn't seen that thing in a long time. What a sweet movie. Very sweet movie. A great story. That's funny. As you were
6: saying that, I was thinking about Princess
3: Bride because it's just a little bit precocious. Ooh, that was the, that was the other. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> But we decided a Princess Bride, maybe, maybe in a while. But Princess Caribou is very sweet. That's Christian Toto. You can find him at the Hollywood and Toto podcast. Christian, it's always fun. Coming up in a moment, we spent all that money and all those lives fighting the global war on terror, and now Joe Biden's thrown the borders open. We'll talk about the implications. The Lars Larson Show.
2: brought them into
5: a message from lars i'd like to apologize to anyone i've not offended yet please be patient i'll get to you shortly who's next this is the lars larson show
3: welcome back to the lars Lars, larson show it might strike a lot of you as a bit ironic that there were a lot of American lives and a lot of American treasure that was spent in the global war on terrorism, only to find an America now headed by Joe Biden that's simply allowing terrorists to flood across our border. So I thought it'd be especially interesting to talk to Namrata Singh Gujral, who is the creator of a new documentary called America Invaded. Namrata, welcome to the program.
2: Lars, thanks for having me.
3: Now, what inspired you to make put this documentary together, and how did you manage to have the, I guess, happy coincidence that it comes just as America is marking about 10 million illegal entrants to the United States across our southern border, including a stunning number of known terrorists, convicted criminals, and the like?
2: Yep. So um, a couple of years ago, I had put out another documentary titled America's Forgotten, and um, It was on the immigration issue, on the border, but it had a lot to do with humanitarian stuff going out of the border, et cetera. And I was uh, doing screenings across the country, and a Gold Star mom uh, reached out to me in Houston after the screening, and she said, I love your movie, I loved everything you did, but I wish you'd paid more attention to national security. And national security was not an angle that we had investigated with America's Forgotten. And as we kind of started looking into it, we were making a sequel to the film, uh, we just ran into this whole thing two years ago, well before we are now discovering, as America at large, about the terrorists. We started finding out a couple of years ago. We got some interviews south of our border, and the rest is history. We made the movie, and it's just coincidental. It's coming out. It, it's releasing today.
3: And is it releasing in theaters or streaming, or where can people act? I know this is going to be the question I'm getting. I'm is <laughs> Where can I Absolutely.
2: get to it? Absolutely. Yes, it's streaming AmericaInvadedFilm There's a few channels. We're going to be doing what's called a rolling release. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be adding more streaming channels. But this weekend, we're on. Uh, we did a partnership with Salem Now, uh, and we also have a partnership with Rumble. We're going to be on their homepage, and you yep. can also watch the film. We're trying to promote other platforms that are interested in showcasing good content in America that allows the american people to understand what's
3: and, happening and in our by country. the way do you worry at all because this is one of the concerns i've got we've been on rumble we're on instagram we're on a number of those platforms we're also not on places like youtube and others because they tend to let you build a following and then they say oh you said something that we think is impolitic and they kick you off and so i just my producers and i just said we're not going to bother with that do you worry about getting throttled by some of these platforms
2: Absolutely. So when I released America's Forgotten, I remember we had a green light from Amazon Prime, and they put it back for re-review. What is a re-review? I mean, when you review it, that, you know, by essence is a viewing of the picture and reviewing it and green lighting it. And then we we raised hell, and after a few weeks, they finally put it on. It did really well. So this time around, I just, I think it's important for filmmakers like me to support the platforms that support our content and part of the way I can support the 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 platforms is by letting them have uh, the privilege to release the picture first because if we're just going to continue to give it to platforms like YouTube or Prime or others that don't care then I mean at the end of the day what does it matter we're not really doing anything beneficial for platforms that are trying to help us so I made that very important decision this time to only put it on platforms initially that support, um, I wouldn't say conservative, just conservative causes, but common sense causes.
3: Yeah, and and by the way, Murata, the, I I always look for a way where it's gonna intersect with my audience as close as possible, because a lot of the issues we talk about are sometimes things that are a bit distant. But in the case of the border, you know, when I've gone to events like Feet to the Fire and I meet people who spend a lot of time on the border, and they'll come in with stacks of thrown away picture ID, and I'll tell you why this is relevant, and, and I say, oh, well, why is this thrown away? And they say, well, because this was clearly thrown away by somebody who's from Cuba, who's from uh, some other country where being identified as Cuban when you get to the border is not going to be convenient. You want to tell the Border Patrol, well, I'm from El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. Those are countries in good odor with the uh, Biden administration. And then they'll let me in. And people wonder, well, what happens then? Well, then the Border Patrol says, who are you? Where are you from? What's your name? What's your date of birth? And you give them, I guess, whatever you want to give them. You know, so the guy from Cuba gives you a fake name, a fake country of Oregon, origin, and a fake, uh, you know, fake DOB, and they put that down on a piece of paper. And how does this become relevant when they go to Tucson Airport or any other airport with the free airline ticket that American taxpayers have paid for, and they're about to get on? The Border Patrol li- literally has in- institutionalized their fake ID. They say, well, if you told the border patrol your name is this and your DOB is this and your country of origin is this, it matches our record. So go ahead and get on the airplane. And you've actually allowed them to create a fake ID, a fake identity with the help of the administration. And here's a free plane ticket on top of all that. And we remember why we have the tough, you know, TSA security at the airports is to tell all Americans, we have to keep America safe by running you through screening. So if you show up without your picture ID, you're not getting on. But this guy who was at the border, you know, two weeks ago and lied about who he was, threw away his picture ID because he didn't want to be identified as who he actually was, is getting on the airplane with you. Yep. So Lord, not
2: only is that, by the way, happening on a daily basis at this point, multiple times a day. And not only is that outrageous, you've spelled it out correctly, not only is it outrageous, but let me explain to your audiences, currently in the current scenario, how dangerous that is. We have a story in America Invaded of a guy called Muhammad. And I want to make it very clear, we actually, not all Muslims are fundamentalist Islamists. There are some great people in the world, and they're... Correct. But unfortunately... Jihadism is an important section of Islamic fundam- fundamentalism, right? We have a story of a guy called Muhammad. He comes to the border in Mexico. We track him. He changes his name to Martinez. He lives in Mexico for several months. He learns how to speak Spanish. He learns the culture. Again, you know, with the skin tone. Look, I'm an immigrant of color. I'm a, I'm a person of color. I'm brown-skinned. I mean, if I went to the Middle East or I went to Mexico, I could be either, right? But the way yep. I look, yep. he comes in. So, so think about that. The, the Muhammad Martinez story, I call it in the, in the movie. The Muhammad Martinez story is happening several times over every single day today in the U.S. And, and when you've got Martinez coming in and you think you're being humanitarian, in a lot of cases, it's not Martinez. It's Muhammad from Yemen or afghanistan or iran who was five days ago burning the american flag before he boarded that plane to come to mexico
3: no and the end result is we all remember that you know the story endless stories where they were done on the fake driver's licenses from the 19 hijackers on 9-11 and you say okay we can't let that happen now we've literally got and i have to say it's joe biden's border patrol because it's his policies that these men and women are being forced to enforce that say we're going to actually facilitate people creating a fake identity. If they tell the border agent this is my name, this is where I'm from, they will, you know, put you in the system and literally the system that they check at TSA is to look in the system and say, "Well, what did you call yourself at the border?" I called myself this. Okay, that's your official name. You're officially in our records. You're safe. And they have they've yep. created the, you know, the very thing that would be illegal for Americans to do, making fake ID, trying to get it past TSA that's a crime. And yet they're actually helping these people to do it. You've got to see this story. It's America invaded. It's uh, producer is Namrata Singh Gujral. Uh, Ms. Gujral, thank you so much uh, and good uh, best of luck to you. And thanks for doing this.
2: Lars, I appreciate it. AmericaInvadedFilm.com, and thank you so much.
3: Very good. AmericaInvadedFilm.com. Your calls are welcome on a First Amendment Friday, 866 439 Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to The Lars Larson Show.
5: And now, this musical message to anyone who wants to indoctrinate our school children. Hey, teacher, leave them kids alone. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show.
3: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. In a moment, I want to talk about a major lawsuit. Now, it's in the state of Mississippi, but it, ha- it stands to affect voting in about 19 states in America. And why those 19 states? Because in Mississippi and those 19 states, the Democrats have decided, even though you've got vote by mail, even though you've got vote by mail where the ballots go out weeks before the election, And you would think, if you've got a ballot in your hand three weeks before Election Day, how hard can it be to actually get that ballot cast by Election Day? I mean, the minute you receive it, you could pull it out of the envelope, mark your choices, stick it back in the privacy envelope, drop it in the mail with the postage already paid, and it's done. But the Democrats have also sought, in various states at various levels uh, around the country, to say, well, if the ballot comes in, say, a week after the election, then that's okay. And we'll still count the ballot, even if it came in that night, the next day, two days later, up to a week later, they'll still count the ballot. Now, why would they want to do it? Because it makes it easier to cheat. And I would make the point that I've never thought it was right to take any ballots after the end of Election Day. So if close of business on Election Day, and it varies from state to state, is usually seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night on Election Day. If you don't have your ballot in by that time, then your vote doesn't count. But the Democrats have wanted to go beyond all that. Well, now there's a lawsuit and it's in Mississippi. There was a similar one last year in North Dakota. And what they've said to the federal courts is, When the states say that they can count votes that came in after Election Day, Election Day was set by the United States Congress. It's for the presidential election. It's actually set in the Constitution. That's Election Day. Ballots received after Election Day should not count under federal law. If the federal law says Election Day is the first Tuesday in November every four years that follows a Monday, If you have a ballot that comes in the next day or the next week, it doesn't count. That's the essence of the lawsuit. Now, the lawyers charge a lot more and they dress it up in some other language, but that's the basics of it. If that goes through, an awful lot of vote by mail around America is simply going to be wiped out by it or at least the ability to take ballots after Election Day. But it's First Amendment Friday. Let's go to your calls. And if you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's 866 Hey Lars. And by the way, one little breaking piece of news airstrikes have begun in Syria in retaliation for the attacks that took the lives of three service members and left a couple of dozen service members seriously wounded in an attack on a U.S. base in the country of Jordan. And they've apparently been striking uh, with all kinds of different munitions and and uh, platforms that are striking these places that are Iranian proxies in Syria. And we'll get you more details as they're available. Let's go to uh, Terry first. Hey, Terry, welcome to the Lawrence Larson Show. What's on your mind?
4: Hey, thanks, Lars. Hey, and I didn't hear, if you said it already, um, excuse me, but with those staffers that, you know, aren't getting prosecuted for, for having sex in the hearing room or whatever, and I haven't heard, were they doing that while they were on the clock, one, and then two, have they been fired?
3: Uh, I, as I understand it, they moved on to other jobs, but I have a feeling there's a lot of engineering behind the scenes, and this is the way it works. You get caught, and this we're talking about the, the gay guy who, along with his partner, decided yeah. they just had to have sex, had to have it not at home in bed, but they had to have it somewhere in the Capitol building, and then they decided, and we'll put it on video I can almost guarantee it was after business hours, and then the argument would come, if you're a Senate staffer or a House staffer, are you pretty much on the clock just about 24 hours a day? But even then, even if you said it happened outside of work hours, I don't think that matters. They've done something disgusting in a Capitol hearing room, and I would say the same thing if it was a couple of heterosexuals as well. Let's go to Jeff. Hey, Jeff, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind? (laughs)
4: Well, Lars. Thank you for taking my call. I, um, we first of all like to honor the um, three uh, service members that gave the ultimate sacrifice. So we say prayers for those folks. Yes, and sir. Uh, it was a political opportunity. Um, because if you take a look two, three weeks ago when we lost two Navy SEALs in Somalia, I don't think we heard a lot for the first couple of days. But um, it's the three service members are were black they were also from georgia he is losing the black vote everywhere especially in georgia so i think it's more of a political opportunity
3: even I know you are right because jeff thoughts. he's he's shown real disregard for the u.s military you see it every time he gets off that or gets on that helicopter either way he doesn't even you know uh, he doesn't even bother to throw a salute at the marine who's standing next to marine one as as the president gets on board i i mean i think Virtually every other president, and especially Donald Trump, have done that. And and then then it gets worse. I don't know if you've seen the video, but there was video of the parents of the young lady who died. She went. Her her nickname was Munchkin. She was kind of on the short side. Uh, a pretty pretty young lady uh, served in the military, died in Jordan in that drone attack. And he's calling her parents to tell them, among other things. He said, uh, oh, you know, I know I know what this is all about because I I lost my son in the Iraq war, which is this lie that Joe Biden tells over and over and over again. But I think you might be right that in this case, he's paying a special attention uh, because the three service members from Georgia were all black. And you're right. Joe Biden is losing the black vote at this point.
4: Yeah, and he needs to get some points on the board. Um, whether it's, he'll take credit for gas prices and they'll concoct a story for that coming down. Uh, now he cares about the military. So he needs to, uh, get some points on the board and I'm sure that the mainstream media will cover for him. So take, take, take well, isn't
3: gas, mind. isn't gasoline actually an indictment of Biden because he said, well, they're down from 2023 and 2022 the problem is as we stand here today the national average price of gas is 30 percent higher than it was the day he took office it was two dollars and 38 cents a gallon it's now in the mid mid to upper threes so When you're a president and and under your watch and because of your actions in attacking the fossil fuel business and vowing to put the oil companies out of business altogether and shutting down pipelines and shutting down leasing of federal lands, if gasoline has gone up 30 percent in price and he also wants to blame that on the on the uh, the Ukraine war even though the gas and diesel prices started going up in the summer of 2021, six months after he took office, six months after he signed all those executive orders designed to devastate the oil business. And then the price goes up and he wants to blame it on a war that didn't start until more than a year after he took office in the beginning part of 2022. Uh, that, he, he can't get away with that. And saying they've come down from last year or come down from 2022, that doesn't make any sense at all. Jeff, thanks for the call. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday, 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. You've got the Lars Larson Show.
5: The Lars Larson Show.
6: What about courage? I learned...
1: Friday. Oh Friday, Friday. Yeah, yeah, it's Friday. Friday!
0: Woo! Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show.
1: Thank God it's Friday.
0: Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. We will make America great again. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS
3: to speak your mind.
0: Now, First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson.
3: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a First Amendment Friday. Glad to take your phone calls and your emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our poll on X. The poll on X actually has to do with the decision made by the Capitol Police. You might have heard, because we talked about it on the show, that there were staffers of the United States Congress who had decided in some cases to have sex in committee meetings, not while the committee was actually meeting, uh, but doing it after hours, and then taking videos of this sex, in this case gay sex, although I'd have the same objection if it was heterosexuals doing the same kind of thing. And then we found out about what they call the cages, which are in the basement of these Capitol buildings, which is where members of Congress are able to store extra furniture and paper records and all the other stuff people put in storage. Except it turns out some of the staffers had decided it was a dandy place to, to commit acts of, you know, sexual perversion of one kind or another. And there are cameras down there. And the Capitol police said, Yep, we've investigated and nobody's gonna get charges. So were the Capitol police right to drop all charges for staffers for having gay sex inside the Capitol? I said no. You can vote any way you like. You'll find the question at Lars Larson Show on X and also on our website. Adrian, welcome to the program. What's on your mind?
1: Hey there, Lars. I just wanted to um, just comment on the um, the strike in Iraq. Uh, I don't think it's going to, um, I don't think it's going to make a difference at all because uh, Biden didn't take out the key targets um, like Trump did with Soleimani, and so yep. I, I just see that it's going to escalate. Um,
3: you sound it, like you're it, a it, young lady, Adrian. You probably don't remember when. Bill Clinton decided to send a couple of missiles into a couple of tents in the Middle East. I mean, he became famous well, as the missiles no in the tents. i was
1: I was born in nineteen sixty two so I'm not i I do remember the Clinton administration <laughs> the whole thing. Um, but thank you for the compliment. Um, but this administration is absolutely feckless um, beyond words.
3: That's one of my favorite describe. words lately, because there's a lot of fecklessness going on almost everywhere. In fact, I've tried not to overuse that word. But, you know, Adrian, it kind of put me in a quandary because I wanted to see some kind of response. We can't have three service members die and 40 service no. members get wounded and then say, well, we're not going to do anything. So do nothing is not a good option. And then, uh, you know, the option of, well, let's go. You know, let's have the military hit a bunch of targets. In this case, they say they're hitting Iranian surrogates or proxies in places like Syria and even in Iraq. And and you say, well, is that going to send the message? You know what I would have preferred, no. and I said this yesterday, the, when Biden came in, Trump had already put some really tough sanctions on Iraq, or on Iran. Yes, he did. And so and and but what happened was Joe didn't reverse the sanctions or eliminate them. He just said, we're going to stop enforcing them. So Iran was able to jack up its oil exports to the tune where they said the first year that the non enforcement of the sanctions was in effect meant about 50 billion dollars to the country of Iran, which is a tremendous amount of money into the pockets of people who are by by anybody's estimate, the biggest sponsors of terror on planet Earth as a state. And so you say, is, and then he unfroze $6 billion uh, and said, but it's only going to be used for bandages and good stuff, like humanitarian things, which was hogwash as well. If Joe Biden were to say, like he's being forced to say on so many other things, I think I'll go back to the Trump policy, which, as you understand, is not very likely to happen. Because he wants to do anything, you know, on the border, anything but the Trump policy. On Iran, anything but the Trump policy. Anything. On the on the JCPOA, you know. So I get it. I wish I wish he takes a meaningful action and send the message to the people who are sponsoring this stuff.
7: I
1: wish he uh, would would put a chokehold on them like Trump did, and they 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 not mess with um, our men and women. Um, it's just and then to wait this late do something because they don't want to escalate they don't want to start it's just beyond me and it's it's just frustrating and i can't wait till 2024 when we get trump back in the
3: office 2025 um i wish it was twenty i wish you're you're just engaging in wishful thinking adrian you, you wish he was yes, because if trump walked in there today do you remember when they made the big deal a couple of months ago because he said he would be a dictator and now they're all running around see he wants to be a dictator he said i want I to be see. a dictator on day one, and I'll do two things. I'll shut down the border and we'll drill, drill, drill. You know, and, and how absolutely. many Americans do you think, if they said he's going to act like a dictator on day one and cause us to start drilling for oil and natural gas and shut the border, and those are his two dictator acts, and after that, he'll just go back to being the best president of the 21st century. I think, you know, Trump's going to win uh, big, and we have to win big this I'm year serious. because otherwise they'll cheat.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Lars, thank you, and have a wonderful weekend.
3: Thank you, ma'am. You have a wonderful weekend as well. It's First Amendment Friday. Let's go to. Uh, let's go to Ed. Hey, Ed, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind?
4: I have an idea. Okay, we need to lock the border down. But you know, as a veteran, it just saddens me to see all my brothers and sisters not
5: being taken care of when they come back from war or whatever.
4: I say, take the B.A., who knows where all these people are,
3: and use them to lock the border down. Well, first of all, thanks thanks for your service. Thanks for your service. And second, I agree with you that we've got to do something for homeless vets and for vets with other problems. But a job is not the problem that they're up against, because America has had, for the last several years, millions of unfilled jobs. But isn't it true that most of those vets who are homeless, we have other problems that they have, which which we have to address. And and if you gave Joe Biden 50,000 additional border guards, what do you think he'd use them for?
5: Well, I don't want to talk about Joe Biden. I don't even think he's the uh, legitimate president anyway. I'm a well, no. He admitted, I... do
3: you know, we ran a soundbite a couple of days ago where Joe Biden was talking about issues and he said, uh, can you believe that Donald Trump said this? And then he referred to him as the sitting president of the United States. Even Joe Biden admits that 2020 was a fraud. And we have the soundbite of Joe Biden saying that in in Joe Biden's own yeah. mind, maybe occasionally he does simply uh, slip and tell the truth. If you give him another right. 50,000 homeless vets or not, he's just going to make You know, he's going to turn customs and border protection into a concierge service for millions of illegal aliens and just find faster ways to move them across that border. So lack of manpower is not the reason that Joe Biden can't hold the line on the border. And this lie, Ed, the lie that they're telling where they say, well, if you just give him the resources, Donald Trump with the same resources that Joe Biden has today. Managed to bring about the lowest level of illegal aliens coming across that border. Joe Biden with the same resources that Donald Trump had has managed to bring about the highest number of illegal aliens in all of American history. And you're listening to the Lawrence Larson Show.
5: People always ask Lars if he wants to run for public office, like president. Do you know how much power I'd have to give up to be president? This is The Lars Larson Show.
3: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. If you're a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line. If you want to send an email instead, talk at LarsLarson.com. And, of course, you can always vote in our poll on X. Uh used to be called Twitter. Now it's the X. So uh, we're calling it the Poll on X. In any case, the question is there every day at Lars Larson Show. You can also find it on my website at LarsLarson.com. There's a bigger joke in America than a doddering, demented Joe Biden bumbling around, clearly not in charge of what's going on as president of the United States. Clearly, somebody else is pulling his strings, probably Obama. If there's a bigger joke than him, it has to be Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, who, just like Baghdad Bob during the U.S. invasion of Iraq, would stand there in front of television cameras and say there are no American tanks in Baghdad when literally there were tanks about 300 yards from where he was standing. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas has made himself into the modern-day Baghdad Bob. And I'm glad to see that the House of Representatives is finally going to bring articles of impeachment against Mayorkas. So I thought we'd talk about it with Congressman Cliff Benz, who represents the second congressional district in Oregon, newly appointed chair of the Natural Resources Subcommittee on Water, Wildlife, and Fisheries. Congressman Benz, welcome back. I well, thanks, Laura. It's great to be with you. And you, you've been willing to take some pretty tough questions on this show about why you voted for things that I didn't always agree with you on, but are we going to be able to get the deed done? Because you released a statement saying we now have you know, evidence that Mayorkas has flouted immigration law. I think that evidence has been there since the beginning, in my personal opinion. Would you tell me why now, and is the House going to get it done?
9: Well, after the first, <clears throat> Lars, the, the question has never been, does he need to go? The question is, do we have the proper facts for impeachment? That's always been the issue. We always, we, none of us are going to disagree with your take on Mayorkas. None of us. The challenge is how do we make the best case we can uh, to the Senate? So we increase our chances of actually getting rid of the guy uh, under the constitution. And so what has happened since November, when the first set of all say modest articles were brought is that we have been able to get the uh, situation back into the committee We've had more hearings to bring in people who were actually hurt, uh, uh, suffered from uh, harm by folks who had come across the border who should have been detained but were not. We've had hearings with those people coming in, and and that provides us with a solid foundation for impeachment, and that is what now is uh, reflected in the uh, the what I'll call the dramatically improved and revised articles that just uh, just came out of out of the committee uh, earlier this week. And I would also say there's two articles. Uh, the first is, as I just said, reflective of, of violations of, of laws that he, he should have been detaining people and he wasn't. And then secondly, his uh, obstruction of Congress's work to try to figure out what in the world he's been doing on the border. Those are two excellent foundations to move this matter out of the House, because this is merely an indictment over to the Senate where we can have a trial and uh, hopefully – the Democrats will step up. I said, hopefully. Yeah,
3: but you really don't expect that a Senate controlled by the Democrats is even going to take this measure up. So they're going to park it under somebody's backside and it's going to sit there until the end of the Congress, isn't it?
9: Well, yeah, that may be the case, but under the constitution, it's my duty to do what I've been oh, doing. I know
3: I'm not, I'm not right. disputing that Congressman. I've been begging for this guy to get impeached. I want to see Joe Biden impeached as well, because I think he's committed high crimes and misdemeanors. But to your point about having the proof now, I'm not disputing what you said. When would you say is the first time that Alejandro Mayorkas lied to the American Congress about this subject, that the Congress has a constitutional duty and responsibility to provide oversight of? When was the first time that you remember him lying to the Congress? Wasn't it at least a year ago, maybe two years ago? Yeah,
9: actually, I think it was I'm on judiciary, uh, Lars, as you know, and I've been I've been able to ask him direct questions. I can tell you, as I sat through those hearings, uh, that he was lying at least two years ago.
3: So if he was lying to the Congress and the Congress is told is instructed by the Constitution, provide oversight. And you find that somebody who's managing the homeland security of America is lying to the oversight body. Wouldn't shouldn't that be enough to boot the guy based on high crimes because lying uh, to Congress is it can be a criminal act? I know Merrick Garland's never going to go after it, but if the Congress says you lied to us, you committed a crime. Doesn't that constitute high crimes and misdemeanors?
9: Well, I I, I happen to agree that it does. But, but remember, that uh, we we were not in the majority two years ago. Uh, we just took over the majority, uh, you know, a year ago, and during that period of time since we've been aggressively putting the case together against him. And they put together, a. a, a, they, I'm saying the the Oversight Committee uh, Chairman Mark Green, uh, did a good job of putting together a five-step approach to dramatically uh, improve our chances of getting this right and robbing the Senate of any argument otherwise. Now, sure, just like you say, uh, they'll try to get rid of it on some, uh, some grounds, who knows. But we should, as Newt Gingrich says, uh, win in the court of public opinion, and that's where that's where you want to go in and be able to say, "Hey, we did this right. We did it according to the Constitution, and we have
4: the facts."
9: And that's because we took the time to have the hearings and develop the the record, uh, just as the Constitution and, and uh, past practice uh, uh, suggests. Uh, well, I'm going to say, demands uh, that we do.
3: I, I, I wasn't meaning to rain on your parade by saying the the Senate is going to do everything it can to avoid this. Is there any way that public pressure? could actually bring the senators to have to to say, well, we'll at least take a vote on it. We're going to vote it down. We're not going to vote to, you know, convict Mayorkas, but make them vote on it. Do you think any amount of public pressure would do that?
9: Well, I'll tell you, uh, the governor of Texas, uh, Governor Abbott has done a great job in trying to get New York, Chicago, and other blue states and cities to understand what's going on on the border. And that has prompted all kinds of, of people that normally wouldn't say a word uh, to say something needs to be done. So, yeah, I think uh, public opinion uh, is is a really important thing. But let me you asked a second question earlier. You asked, do I think that all of we Republicans are going to vote? Because it takes all but one of us uh, to vote to impeach the guy. And I would tell you right now that I think there are a number of people who are not yet convinced. And so what what should be happening, I'm just telling you. And that's my that's my thought. Well, can we I'm call convinced- them out
3: by name, congressman? Is it time to call names and say not call names, but to name the people who are standing up saying, no, I don't think Mayorkas is lying. I don't think he's done anything wrong on the Republican side. Do that in an election year and see if you get them get their attention. Oh, well, right. well
9: this, I'm not going to call names when I don't know where these people exactly are. I'll simply tell you that I have heard rumors that we do not have everybody on board. Now they're whipping the bill today. Uh, Someone, I want my member of the whip team that's in charge of asking me where I am asked, and I told them I was going to be voting for impeachment. Uh, But uh, uh, as far as where that whip outcome is, I can't tell you. Uh, Okay, Uh, you
3: you know who I'd love to see you call, Congressman? I don't know how much time you get to watch what's going on in the rest of the world while you're focusing on Congress. Kathy Hochul is the perfect definition of uh, Frank Rizzo you say a, a conservative, a liberal who's been mugged she had two cops beat down in broad daylight in Times Square last weekend and she was asked yesterday should these people be deported and this is the former sanctuary state governor and she said yeah they should be deported can you imagine calling the governor of New York to testify in those impeachment hearings and ask her has your has your city been done dirty by what mayorkas has engineered on behalf of joe biden I think that might actually get some attention down there. That's Congressman Cliff Benz. He represents Oregon's 2nd Congressional District. We'll be back in a moment. I'll get to your phone calls and emails. If you want to join what we call the best conversation in talk journalism, it's always right here at 866 Hey Lars. That's 866 439-5277. If you're a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line. We've always done it. We always will. If you want to send an email, talk at LarsLarson.com. You can also vote in our poll on x it used to be called twitter now it's x you'll find that at lars larson show and you can check out our instagram feed all the other social media we put up every single interview on the program is free of charge you'll find it at larslarson.com. you're listening to the lars larson show so tell alexa to play the lars larson show and check me out on instagram
5: The Lars Larson Show. With a warning to Hamas at the Republican Jewish Coalition Conference.
4: If you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of
5: yours. This is The Lars Larson Show
3: welcome back to the program glad to be with you and always glad to get your calls especially on a first amendment friday 866 hey lars send emails talk at LarsLarson.com. vote in our question that we post every day on x at lars larson show it's also posted on our website at LarsLarson.com. and join me in welcoming elaine parker who's president of the job creators network foundation elaine uh, glad to have you back
7: thanks for having me lars
3: so all the headline stories are that the U.S. added a third of a million jobs in the month of January, and they say this is bigger than I expected and it's great news, is it?
7: Well, it was. Uh, it, it did exceed uh, the expectations, and the top-line job creation numbers um, for January as well as the GDP are strong, but these numbers don't matter to ordinary Americans who are still facing outrageous prices for groceries and gas and struggling to make ends meet, um, these economic reports that that come out just are not translating to Americans in practical terms because they are still living under three years of compounded inflation. And so while the rate of inflation has come down, um, you know, it's it's, it's the rate of increase has come down. Inflation has not come down in the sense that our pricing and the cost of everything is still very inflated and people and are going still suffering up, in that sense. Right? And, and inflation is increasing still at twice the rate of the Fed's target. And here's the, the threat that looms out there is from this kind of jobs report and the strong GDP is that it will convince the Fed to postpone plan rate cuts this year and prolong the credit crunch that our small businesses are dealing with
3: yeah and and when you take a look at the amount of money people are making and the amount of cost increases because to some extent the consumer price index is deceptive because it leaves out big categories of things that all of us have to buy to get by every day and uh you know food and or fuel and things like that so so i mean where do we stand at that point you know average average uh you know wages versus the increase the increase in average wages versus the increase in the cost of everything we need we're still underwater aren't we
7: well americans have been falling behind as far as wage increases for the last three years because of this prolonged inflation um and and that's very difficult for people because those at the lower end of the income spectrum i mean gas is, gas is still inflated groceries are still inflated um, the, the cost of everything is still inflated. Small business owners tell us that their biggest concern um, is still inflation after all this time. Um, and it's, it's very difficult for them because they have so much trouble passing those costs onto their consumers because they're so price sensitive.
3: Yeah, and they and they have to be priced. I mean, if your if your actual spendable money is less today than it was three years ago, but the price of everything you have to have is bigger than the nice to haves that that businesses might want to sell us, the things that aren't absolutely essential become a well. I'm going to be careful about buying things because i can barely afford to afford the things i need so the things i want well that that goes to the bottom of the list that has to be the practical effect the other thing is in terms of the total numbers i see the white house bragging that joe biden has created all these jobs are we back at this point at the level or near the level where we were before the pandemic
7: we we did. We reached we we did return um all of the jobs um that we lost pre-pandemic. Um it, it's just the problem is is that the Biden administration takes credit for backfilled jobs that were lost during the pandemic. And then the you know, the few million that he's created on top of that. um he hasn't created as many jobs at the same point as in his presidency that Trump created. Um, If you take out the backfill jobs that I guess you could really say were originally Trump created jobs.
3: Yeah, because if, if you had a restaurant and the restaurant shut down and laid off its workforce and now the business is operating again, hired everybody back, that's net gain of zero. At that point, it has to be new jobs. And I keep seeing news UPS just announced they're laying off 12,000 people. Now, they have a massive workforce, but that's still 12,000 really good jobs that they just shed. And you're seeing it's like almost every day I'm seeing plans by companies to cut back rather than to expand. And it sounds like that's where they're going this year. Am I wrong in that impression? Well,
7: look, I mean, we hear uh, job cuts. Uh, non-stop. I mean, Facebook cut jobs last year. Amazon's cut jobs. Um, you know, you just mentioned UPS. Um, there's a continuous. Um, job, uh, you know, cutting of jobs in uh, corporate America with big companies, they're always shedding jobs. They're always looking to cut costs in that area. And that's why we have to look to our small businesses, which is where two thirds of all new net jobs are created. And so we have to get our government to stop spending so much so that we can bring the interest rates down. We can allow our small businesses to get enough credit to to access credit. Um In an affordable way that allows them to invest in their business, invest in their employees, and expand their businesses because that's where the jobs are going to be that's where jobs are going to be kept, not in big corporate america
3: and By the way, if they were planning to cut back elaine the the no pain kind of cutback they could do right now is simply say to all the you know to all the governments they shoveled out money to states, cities, and counties. We sent you all this money during the emergency, for the emergency, the emergency is over, therefore, kick back all the dollars that we handed to you that you haven't spent. And as I understand it, that's hundreds of billions of dollars, isn't it?
7: I've read the same, that those numbers are very large. And, and what you need to remember is um, we ran a record, near record deficit um, for 2023 of 1.7 trillion dollars I know that the president likes to brag that he cut, you know, millions of dollars out of the um, deficit. Well, it was simply because COVID spending stopped. Those programs ended. and But we still hit a record of $1.7 trillion. And for 24, we're on track to hit $2 trillion. Um, and that doesn't even include consumer credit card debt, which is at a near record high as well. I mean, this economy is really... It's over the, a trillion dollars, isn't it? It is, and the growth of this economy is really being propped up by this reckless record government spending and consumer debt.
3: Unbelievable. Elaine, thanks so much. I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. That is Elaine Parker, president of the Job Creators Network. To your calls now, let's start with Rick. Hey, Rick, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind?
4: Hey, uh, I was wondering if you've seen the uh, new ads on Fox. Uh, I don't watch Fox TikTok much these
3: days, but but I'll take your word for it. Are they for TikTok?
4: Yeah, they're, they're saying that TikTok's the greatest thing that ever happened to their life. How could information get out any better than TikTok? Everybody should be listening to TikTok. I thought this was a Chinese infiltration app.
3: It, it is. And by the way, Rick, I don't have, never have had TikTok on any of my family's devices. I won't have it in my house uh, because... It's, it is a Chinese communist spy device. And, and I know that sounds like I'm wearing my tinfoil hat too tight, but, but, you know, when we talk to serious people in, in the cybersecurity business and they say the reason, I mean, it's probably one of the best things that a country, you know, for that country, for communist China, TikTok's great. They say, we're going to get all these Americans who are all going to sign on to TikTok. They're going to see it as the greatest thing since sliced bread. They're going to install it on all their devices. Then they're going to take it into their oh, that's workplace.
6: What they're saying on TV.
3: Yeah, well, they're going to take it into their workplace. They're going to take it into their home. And they are yeah. scooping up massive amounts of data from that. That with the massaging of artificial intelligence, that data is, is a gold mine for the Chinese communists yeah. to use against the United States of America. It's not going to work out well for us. And I would tell anybody who'd listen, don't install TikTok on your devices. If you have it, get rid of it. I've got no dog in the fight financially one way or the other, and I also have no dog with Instagram. We use Instagram. It doesn't have the problems that TikTok does. TikTok is letting the Chinese communist buddies of Joe Biden spy on your life, your company, and frankly, your personal business. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday, and you're listening to The Lars and Show.
5: Some solid advice from Senator John Kennedy.
4: Look, if you hate cops just because of cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead.
5: This is the Lars Larson Show.
3: Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. I got to tell you something. Joe Biden seems to be doing everything wrong on purpose to deliberately damage this country. But some of the things he does just absolutely belie any kind of understanding at all. And among them, his recent decision in which he said he's going to pause all new permits for exporting liquefied natural gas. Now, you might think, well, why do I care about this? I'm going to tell you why you should and why it would make a major difference for everybody living in America, for our economy, for tax revenue, and also about how LNG makes a gigantic difference on planet Earth. We have the resources, and Joe Biden is going to simply say we're not going to make use of them. But first, welcome to the Lars Larson show. And if you want to jump into what we call, and I think we live up to it, the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here at 866 Hey Lars. That's 866 439 5277. If you're a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line. If you'd rather send an email, it's talk at larslarson.com. And you can vote in our poll on X. The daily question is put up from the news of the day. Either my producers or I, we switch off on who's going to write the X poll every single day. We try to keep it as fresh as possible. You can find that at Lars Larson show on X what used to be called Twitter, and also on our website at LarsLarson.com. And I usually try to be as transparent as I can with you uh, about anything where I might have a bias. I have a tremendous positive bias when it comes to natural gas. Now, do I make any money from natural gas? No, I pay for it. I mean, I buy natural gas that heats my home, keeps the water hot, uh, runs the barbecue, the whole Marianne. So I'm a fan of that kind of fuel. I'm especially a fan of it because it's a very clean fuel and America has it in gigantic abundance. And just so I could be sure, today I looked up the latest numbers. America has about 37 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. And if you say, well, how much is that? I I didn't know either, so I had to look it up. Uh, We have at current use rates about 87 years worth of natural gas. Now, let me say parenthetically, when somebody hears something like that, I know, in, inevitably, they're going to say, but Lars, what happens when we run out of natural gas? We're not going to run out of natural gas. First of all, that's how much natural gas we know we have today. And we've been finding more of it, although the last three years, not as much, because when Joe Biden came into office, he basically put, put the kibosh to all of the uh, new leasing on federal lands, which is where they find most of that natural gas. But if you go back over the years, you'll find that uh, we didn't have uh, those kind of reserves about 20 years ago. And then along came fracking, uh, a new way of getting natural gas and oil out of the ground. And all of a sudden, we had reserves to beat the ban. In fact, there was a point where in the units they sell natural gas in, which I think is either a million BTU or a thousand cubic feet, whatever it happens to be. The unit they sold it in was 15 bucks a unit. And because they found so much of it, it dropped down to about 3 or $4 a unit. So imagine anything you have to buy, gasoline, apples, loaves of bread, whatever it is, if it drops in price to to that tiny fraction, about 20% of what it used to cost, you know that we've got a lot of it. So we have a lot of natural gas. Should we be selling it to the rest of the world? Absolutely. Because I know there are going to be people who say, but, but Lars, if we sell that natural gas, we won't have enough for ourselves. Yeah, about 80 or 90 years from now. And who knows? I mean, if you go back to the late 1800s, you would find people saying why we have to have whale oil, because whale oil is absolutely essential to America. We use it for lighting. We use it for uh, cooking. We use it for a bunch of things. Um, And there was a point where heating with coal was a bigger deal. Today, it's mostly used to generate electricity, although the Greens are trying to do away with that. But consider what the White House has done. Joe Biden has ordered, we're going to pause all new permits for exports of liquefied natural gas. This is where they take the gas. When it comes to your house, it usually comes in at, I think, about 20 pounds of pressure. Uh, maybe 30 pounds of pressure when they liquefy when they crunch it all the way down they can put it into these giant ships and take it uh, a lot of different places in fact we today supply an awful lot of natural gas to western europe and what does that push back against it means that when vladimir putin says to western europe by the way you uh you are dependent on me western europe do what i tell you to do otherwise i might just cut off your natural gas well last year American exports of natural gas were just about 12 billion cubic feet, and about two-thirds of that went to Western Europe. So if we increase the amount of natural gas coming out of America, what would that do for America, and what would it do for Western Europe, and what would it do for the United States diplomatically? What does it do when Joe Biden says, I'm going to pause new permits for exports of natural gas when we're already making a lot of money by exporting what we're exporting now, and we could be making a lot more? What happens immediately? If you allowed leasing of federal lands, that puts money in the U.S. Treasury, and 15% of every single discovery of natural gas or oil on federal land gets paid to the U.S. Treasury. So the U.S. government gets more money without having to take it out of the pockets of individual citizens. That's advantage one. Number two, what do the oil and natural gas fields provide for Americans? They provide tremendous jobs, especially blue-collar jobs, but blue-collar jobs that pay very, very well. And if we became the world's go-to when it came to drilling equipment, drilling expertise, punching holes in the ground, finding the energy that not just America, but the rest of the world needs, wouldn't it be great if everybody said, well, if you're drilling for natural gas, you ought to go to the United States. They know how to get it done. They do it in in a clean and sensible way. And what is the other advantage? For all of those of you who are concerned about CO2 in the air, I'm not one of those, but if that's what floats your boat, Here's what natural gas does. When a company, especially industrial use of natural gas, replaces oil or other forms of energy, what it's done for the United States in the last 20 years, it has dramatically reduced the CO2 output of all of America. Now, a lot of us think, well, there's a thinking, uh, conventional wisdom that, well, most of it's coming out of the tailpipe of my car. No, no. An awful lot of the CO2 that goes into the air, which is plant food in my view, is coming from industrial uses. If you go from oil to natural gas, the amount of carbon goes down by half. So it's a clean fuel. It's available. America has lots and lots of it, enough to last the better part of a century. And when we drill for it, people make money. The government makes money. And America is better off. When we don't, and and then building the export facilities, the ports, the specialized ports it takes to accommodate those ships, all of that is good for America, good for freedom, good for individual citizens, and bad for the bad guys on the planet. Back in just a moment, you're listening to the Lars Larson Show. So tell Alexa to play the Lars Larson Show and check me out on Instagram.
5: The Lars Larson Show.